Today, we talked to a seller with a very crazy and actually pretty emotional backstory of how she got into e-commerce. But fast forward, she's already had an exit of a brand for millions of dollars, and now she's scaling her new brand up without even using PPC. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Do you want to see how your listing or maybe competitors listing rates as to best practices for listing optimization? Or maybe you want to compare a group of ASINs or Amazon products to see how they compare to each other. Maybe you want to see within seconds the top keywords for a single listing or a group of listings. You can do that and more with the Helium 10 tool listing analyzer. For more information, go to h10.me forward slash listing analyzer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show. That's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. So we have, uh, that was the first time you guys got to saw that or see the outside of the podcast room. Like maybe you guys thought I was in the Helium 10 office. This is actually my house here where I built a built a room for the podcast. And so we've got a guest here on the sh uh, show for the first time. Lori, how's it going? Great. How are you, Bradley? I'm doing just ducky. Thank you. Now, <laughs> this is a funny story about like, I recently actually had, um, recently had a episode where I was like, I mentioned how, how I found the people was just like random. Like, Hey, I'm going to pick the top two people who come in my LinkedIn feed um, uh, for the guests. And it just happened to be two people. I, I actually know them, but they had never been on the podcast. And, and so that one worked out, uh, pretty well. And it's actually, you know, our story starts kind of like on LinkedIn. Like I wasn't connected to you before you're, you're somewhat of a polarizing figure. Let's just say on, on LinkedIn, we'll, we'll talk a little bit, uh, about that, but it was so funny how we first start. I think you might've like sent me a message a long time ago. Like you had said you had seen helium Tim, but I, I didn't see the message. But then um, I did fall. We are connected somehow. And then you were in my um, feed. And then I remember like you made some posts where it, well, uh -oh. you have very similar you have very similar views as me as far as like the nonsense that we see on LinkedIn. We can probably talk about that a little bit later. But you were doing like this sarcastic post kind of like making fun of these like fake people out there. And I was like totally digging it. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to keep this sarcasm going and let me just make a random reply you know to, to show her i appreciate the sarcasm oh, that's right and then and you replied to me like <laughs> like all bent out of shape and, and like offended i'm like what is going on here i'm like was i not keeping the uh i got it uh, back keeping the the tone of, of your post but you, you like dm me and all upset at me and i'm like what is happening you remember that how, how that uh started <laughs> Bradley, this I'm is calling you out. Hey, look good, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I agree to do this? <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, I got it backwards. I didn't realize you were being um, sarcastic, and I was like, "What is this guy talking about?" <laughs> well, we, we we worked it out, and it worked out for the better like, because now Bradley, you're on my side. <laughs> <laughs> we we connected, and now. I found out that you do actually have an interesting story and, and stuff. And so that's what I usually do with the guests, especially the ones I'm meeting for the first time is, you know, I, I know almost nothing, um, you know, about your, your backstory other than you use helium 10. I think that was what, what your message was, but, 
first of all, I, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Well, like, where are you right now? Uh, what part of the country? I am in New York City. Is that where you were born and raised? You don't sound like it. Your I accent is not very strong. <laughs> Get me around <laughs> my friends from Queens that I grew up with. And it's like, forget about it. What are you doing? Okay. So then did you go stay local to go to like university or college or anything like that out there? Yeah, I actually graduated from Queens College, which is the same college Jerry Seinfeld graduated from. And oh. <laughs> um, somebody else. There was a couple of famous people. What was your uh, major over there? Uh, major in communications, minor in business. But I mean, to okay. be completely honest with you, if I hadn't gone to college, like there would have been no difference. Like I didn't learn anything. Sure. I, that's the same, 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 same. No difference. Five years ago when you graduated, what was like your gainful employment? Your first, you know. So I worked in the World Trade Center. I worked for Morgan Stanley, Dean Witter. So everybody knows Morgan Stanley, you know, the mm -hmm. brokerage, but they were then also Dean Witter. So I was a sales assistant. Okay. I worked on the 73rd floor in the second tower. Um, and that was in 2000, that was in 19, oh gosh, 1999. <laughs> okay. That was like the year after I moved away from um, New York. Okay. And then, and then, uh, you know, the last 20 years, how did you get to e-commerce? And that's, that's kind of a jump, you know, from that kind of job to e-commerce. I, it's a, it's a long story that I'll try to make short. Um, I, I think I didn't, I did various jobs in corporate America, um, until my, into my mid twenties. And then unfortunately, um, on 9-11, my brother was in the World Trade Center mm. working on the 103rd floor. Um, he was four years older than I am, and he died in the attacks. So um, the story is, is that the night before he called me and we were talking about our future and he was talking about his job and, you mm. know, how he wasn't thrilled with it, even though he was working, even though he was making really good money, he was working long hours, etc. And he said he wanted to do something more with his life, more entrepreneurial. And um, the next day he passed away. Mm. So that kind of not in that very, it's not as if, you know, the next day I was like, okay, I now I, you know, I know I have to be an entrepreneur, but yeah. as the years went by and I started to pull myself together, um, actually I was, you know, I wanted to do something on my own. Mm -hmm. My father was in the restaurant business and I was in a marketing job and my father became Ill, terminally ill and he, I was literally taking notes from his deathbed, like how to run a restaurant and it wasn't something I wanted to do, but that was my first venture into being an entrepreneur. I kind of didn't have a choice. Um, so I did that for about a year. I hated it. I left, I got into salsa dancing, um, and then opened a, salsa dance studio here in Manhattan, which was a total and complete disaster. I had this novel idea that I was going to open a dance studio and just dance all day. <laughs> like, you know, not do yeah. marketing or anything. People were just going to like show up somehow and I was going to get to dance also all day, every day and make money, which obviously that, that didn't turn out to be the case. It was really a big disaster. But what came from that was, um, I was dancing so much during that time in my life that my feet um, were really dry and dirty because, you know, you wear dance shoes and they're mm -hmm. open in the back. And so I was always having to pay extra attention to my feet. 
And I ended up accidentally inventing a foot care product um, that is like a two-in-one soap and pumice stone. And I had no idea how to get it made, but I had been in the direct marketing industry. What, what year about are we talking about? Just just so I can visualize um, this, this timeline. Like 2007. Okay. Okay. So um, in my corporate career prior, um, I had worked in direct marketing, which probably a lot of folks listening to this don't even know what that is, but basically used to get um, offers in your credit card billing statements, um, what they would call like trinkets and trash, like a thank you gift for $2.99, just send this voucher back in. And so um, I called my old boss and I said, you know, I have an idea for this product. I have no idea how to get it made. He directed me to a company um, who helped me develop it, get it manufactured. I had an infomercial. It bombed. I had another infomercial. It bombed. I had small successes with it. And like on Good Morning America. Did you have anything funny in the infomercial? I'm just Featuring a bunch of stinky feet, like it was, like what, what? Why did it bomb? Or like what? What did you have in there? Were you the star of your own infomercial? Like oh, did you God, put yourself? No way. I would. Oh, I, okay. I, I don't even do podcasts hardly. Forget about being in a commercial that's national. Um, I can still hear it. Do you still have dry, cracked feet? <laughs> I can see it. Anyway. Um, so that was a disaster. And I realized, you know, I had lost a lot of money. And I was like, I I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to shelve this. And I went back to corporate America. Um, And this is like in 2000. This happened in 2009. And so I sat around, I went into another marketing um, job, knowing like, I still wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, I wanted to do it like both for me and for my brother. Um, but I didn't know again, how to get this product off the ground. Cause I wasn't a marketing major. I had no idea how to bring something mm-hmm. to market. And then like so many people, you know, one day I was at work watching, uh, looking at Facebook and I saw somebody write something about selling stuff on Amazon. This was in 2014. Okay. So this is six years of failures later with this product. Um, and as I said, this looks interesting. So I started like everybody else going to TJ Maxx and all the discount stores and scanning and, you know, buying at a discount and sending stuff in. And um, after a while, I realized I learned how to use the platform and I realized, you know, hey, I have a product that I invented. I'm, you know, let me give it a try on Amazon. And I listed it in three weeks. It became a top 10 bestseller. And I built a private label brand around it, um, all sorts of foot care products. And I exited in 2020. So it took me, was that, 12 years to become an overnight success. Six-figure exit, seven-figure exit? Seven. Roughly. All right. Nice, nice. And then since then, have you, you're back on, you know, starting new brands on, on Amazon or just being I'm a consultant back. or what do you do? So now I'm in the pet category. I had taken a year off after I, my exit and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life again. And then I was like, I really miss Seller Central because they're so efficient. Um, oh, says, so says no one ever in the history of mankind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I saw an opportunity in the pet category and I have a dog and I love animals. And I thought this would be so much more. How did you fun. find the opportunity? Um, well, it was something that I needed. 
Mm-hmm. And that's how I came up with my last product. So I thought if I need it, you know, probably other, I didn't invent it, but I, I took something and I changed it and I made it better. Yeah. Okay. And um, so I thought, why not, you know, try it again. And I launched in, well, I launched, I had like a very soft launch in April and then I really launched again in November and, you know, it's been going great. Thank goodness. Um, Amazon is a completely different game in 2023 than it was in 2014, but you know, it's, I mean, it's it's different than even when you exited, you know, 2020, um, what's been biggest culture shock or differences from like, I mean, obviously there's a million things that are different between 2014, but thinking about the later years, right before your exit, 2019, 2020, uh, what, what are some of the biggest differences that have affected how you're, you know, running your business today compared to then? Well, the single biggest difference, and it's actually something I'm becoming more and more passionate about and probably, um, really what's like the real stuff I talk about on LinkedIn, which is, you know, really Amazon based, except for that one post, um, is for me, I built my last brand off of PPC and nothing else. Mm -hmm. And with this brand, I'm not even using PPC and doing really well. And so my, I know a lot of people are, you know, a lot of PPC managers aren't going to love this, but I've been talking about it a lot, you know, how much Amazon has changed, how I feel, I mean, if you don't have any other strategy, you can, you know, do PPC and pour all your money into it. So you, and, you say you never use PPC for this pet brand or, or you did and just stopped or what? Um, I did for a little while, but you know, it just, it wasn't the conversion rate wasn't where I needed it to be. And I felt that I could get a better, I could take that money and do other methods of advertising and get a better return. I mean, at well, the how end- did you get to that? wasn't, wouldn't you say that that probably paid played a role though, to get your initial, you know, like keyword ranking, you know, obviously, you know, compared to the days where you're around, I'm not sure if you ever use those services, but you know, in those days you could, you know, there's nothing wrong with two-step URLs and search find by and stuff like that. Was, you, you could get to any key page one that you wanted to within five days, you know? Uh, but yeah. now, like if you didn't have PPC when you started, like how would you have gotten to page one on your main keywords? When I first started, um, I did do some, I'd okay. say light PPC. So then that would help get the initial momentum and stuff. But then you're saying like, Hey, after that, after you're there, uh, you know, you've actually found success dialing back. And then where have you taken that advertising spend? You said you're investing it in other kinds of advertising. What, what are some of those other uh, things? The advertising spend is by spending Mm -hmm. money on a publicist, but not on the kind of publicist that you would think of where I'm spending $10,000 a month to hire a PR agency. So I started out with, um, so the reason why my last business ended up growing as much as it did, because the real growth was in like the last two years of the business. And that was because my products started coming out in what are called in the publishing industry, um, it's roundups. So you've probably seen them and they're, articles online that are that have headlines like the 20 coolest gadgets on Amazon or the mm-hmm. 46 you know cheapest things for your home that look great on Amazon so you know these publishers that are like bustle um, BuzzFeed um, 
Bustle Digital Group is a lifestyle publication. They have 100 million um, subscribers or readers. And they kept picking up my product. And it kind of just snowballed from there um, because I think a lot of the writers see what other people are writing. And, and um, you know, and they're also looking at what's getting good reviews on Amazon. They want to see what the popular things are so they can easily go on Amazon to different categories and figure that out just like we all can. And um, so for this brand, that was I knew that was going to be my strategy, was I was going to rely heavily on getting into those um, publications. So I started off, you know, I hit the ground running with reaching out to editors while I was doing my initial PPC to, you know, become discoverable. And then, you know, it, it got picked up in like two or three or four different roundups and it's just it just has taken on a life of its own so and that I don't even pay for so now what I've done because it is a lot of work to reach to find the right people to reach out to to send them the email to follow up with them to send them a sample if they want one it's a lot of you know it's a grind um so I have taken this money that I would have put into PPC well, not even just like a fraction of it, actually. And I pay somebody to send out these emails and follow up with these editors. And for me, I mean, the return, the ROI is, is, is exponentially. Better. How would somebody find that person you know, or how did you find it? Or like, you know, maybe I don't know if you had contacts or. No, no, it's not hard. You just have to be a little resourceful. You know, you have to. Be, you have to research a little bit and look for these articles that are in your category or that mm-hmm. where they write about your category. I mean, even if you're um, selling car parts, I mean, it doesn't work for every single category. Sure. But, for example, if you're selling um, something car related, whether it's car wax or, you know, car uh, they're called schmatas. I can't think of the English word right now. Rags. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. English is my first language too, but it's a Hebrew <laughs> word. Um, you know, you, um, there are car publications. What is, what's like the main one, the mechanics something. Yeah. I yeah. I know. I do. I haven't even driven a car in like 20 years. Um, they, I'm sure have even their own, um, roundups like this and mm-hmm. all the publications do why because they're and you know they're acting like as an amazon associate so they're getting paid every time somebody buys a product through their website through the affiliate link but so, but, so are, are you the one who's looking for these or you said like your agent or like the person who's trying to contact them you tell them what to look for or it's no, a combination so- of both so it's a combination of both. So the girl that um, the woman that I'm I've been working with is in PR, and she you know has been she has a list of you know her own. I wouldn't say there are contacts where she can call them up and be like, "Hey, it's Samantha. Could you do me a favor and throw this in there?" Like, no, she you know has a list of people in the industry. She reaches out. She's got to follow up. It's not like she has. 400 BFFs that are writing, you know, in these articles, but back to how somebody else could do it without using a PR person, which is how I, you know, started doing this is so auto mechanic, whatever it is, you go to their website, you'd look all over their website for any kind of article that is like that, like the 10 best car waxes to shine your car. And 
the editor's name is always in the article. You know, the editor gets credit for their article. Mm -hmm. So you find the editor's name and, you know, you try and track them down. You can track them down through LinkedIn. You can get a guy on Fiverr or a girl on Fiverr who has access to, um, you know, these databases. I forget the name, but they're the Cision, Cision, I don't know how to say it. Um, that, you know, a lot of companies use, they're very expensive. There's thousands of dollars to buy, but you know, these Fiverr people, that's how they make their living is by getting contacts for people. Did you find your person from Fiverr or? I found my PR person on Upwork. All right. Very interesting. This is, um, this is, and so like now, you know, like now that it's part of your, your, I don't know what I would call it routine or, or part of your, you know, SOP, like, what would you say going forward for the rest of the year? What are you budgeting for that aspect of your promotion? I guess you could say, is this, you know, based on what you would pay her and other costs involved? Is this something like, hey, I'm setting aside a $3,000 a month for this, $1,000 a month? So literally the only cost involved is the cost that I pay her. And that's her monthly fee. She doesn't get paid oh. on a, you know, incentive basis. It's just like, it's a flat fee. And no matter how much or how little press I get for any given month is, you know, she gets the same amount and that's it. And that's kind of like, what's insane. You know, my last brand, I would spend 20, 40, $30,000 a month on PPC. Mm. And now I'm spending, you know, not that much. And I'm ranking on first page for my keywords on, you know, sustaining my, my BSR, um, and I'm doing, you know, when people read these articles, there's also a lot more trust. Like they feel that it's been reviewed by an editor. So they see it in these articles and they're more likely to buy. I, I feel, and as we all know, Amazon loves outside traffic. Um, so I mean, but we have to remember ABC, right? Like always be converting. You can get into these articles and if it's not converting, you're, you know, you're not going to do well just because you're driving traffic to the platform. Okay. So if you have a crappy product, PPC is never going to save you and neither is anything else. Now, how, um, how many SKUs do, do you have right now that you're, that you're promoting in this way? So I have, I actually have one product, but I have seven SKUs. My last brand had, um, maybe like, like variations, uh, then yeah, you're, you're sorry. saying or? Sorry, okay. yes. Variations. Yeah. My last business had four products, 10 SKUs in total. And that's the kind of business I like to run. Um, I cannot manage 150,000 SKUs. Sure, sure. Um, so my my grandmaster plan really is just to take over this subcategory that I'm in and have one product, you know, with a lot of different variations because it keeps my life very simple. Um well, the, the reason I'm asking, though, is like, you know, since it's only kind of one product, like after a few months, are you going to run out of the potential, you know, like publications you can find, um, you know, since they're not going to want to talk about the same exact thing again? Or like, how does that even work? Like, do you have to come up with a new product or or is there a, like, a you know, like every four months you can just go ahead to the same places again and they can do something different or, or what's going on there? So here's the thing is that I'm not even going back to the same people, um, like one person writes about it and then a hundred other editors see it and they'll write about it in their own column. If they like it, then they'll write about it. So, um, I understand the question that you're asking. Mm -hmm. Um, 
is there like, will it get tired after a while? Yeah, yeah. I have that problem with my first brand and I'm not experiencing that now. Um, but there are, you know, but you also have to have a lot of different styles, you know? Yeah. I think if it was one product going over and over and over and over again, you know, it would tire out. But in that publication, you have to remember there's like yeah. so many publications with hundreds and millions of subscribers. So as long as you keep working at it and keep reaching out to huh. different publications, I mean, the sky is the limit, really. Are you um, using like attribution links at all or anything like that to try and get uh, no, you know, a brand love- referral bonus and stuff? I would love to, but you can't because they need to use their link on their end so they can get paid from Amazon. Oh, duh. Yeah, that makes sense. Their incentive is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But but I I guess, though, theoretically, you know, like since that one's more and and they, you know, it's a, the problem with it is it's a gentleman's uh, agreement there. Like, you know, they have to trust you, but like theoretically, you could offer offer more than the uh, affiliate um, commission since isn't Uh that only like 2%? But then, like, you could say, hey, I'll give you, like, 8% because, you know, you're getting 10% back. Um, I'm not sure what the actual publishers make. I don't know if it's the same percentage as, like, a person who's um, mm-hmm. just an affiliate. I think they may have some kind of different um, – something different with Amazon, the big, big yeah. publications. If I reach out to, like, a smaller publication that's more independent – yeah, I have given them my own attribution links, no doubt. Okay. But the bigger ones, um, and they don't always tell you that they're going to write about it. That's the other thing. So it's a little bit hard to track. Sure. I track it. I track it because I can see, first of all, I have a Google, a Google alert on my keywords. So I can see when it comes out. Ooh, good idea. In case they didn't tell me, you know, that it's coming out. And because so many other editors just pick it up randomly, I would never know. You just all of a sudden like wake up one day and you have this windfall of sales and you're like, where the heck did that come from? Um, and that I'm sure that happens to a lot of Amazon sellers. They have no idea where these sales are coming from. And it's probably yeah. coming from these roundups. So if whatever you're selling out there, I would highly recommend you create Google alerts for all of your keywords to see. It's a great tip. I never thought about that. To see if your products are being listed in these in these um, places. Now, obviously, it's early in 2023 but do you have any projections out you know this new brand what it's going to do for you at the end of the year like total what you're going to end up with with gross sales at all i i mean i'm hoping to do around 750 in my first year awesome um it took me many years to get to because Mm -hmm. you know my first brand it took me many years to build up to that because i was very afraid and i was very much in my own way and you know i was scared to add another skew. I was more risk averse, you know, then. And now I'm just like, um, you know, I know this product works and I'm ready to just go, you know, YOLO. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll be able Um, to grow faster. Now you let's get back into some strategies in, in a couple minutes here. But, um, one thing I wanted to ask you about is, is, you and I have very, you know, some similar views, some different views, and that's fine. Uh, but but one thing we're we're similar about is we complain a lot about the nonsense we see on LinkedIn. But one of them actually it's it's kind of like an Amazon, you know, strategy thing. Um, but I know one thing that that irked you, and I probably saw the same post. Is there's like, like some people are like, you know, 
don't forget about building a brand on Amazon. You know, if you're a third party seller, because that's that, that that's useless. Like just, you know, Amazon is just, you know, just churn, churn products out and oh my. building a brand is like, like, I've seen like multiple people do that. And it just like, it's like nails on a chalkboard for me. That, that's one of the things you and I agree with. Right. Um, oh, it gives me crazy because, you know, it's, it's so dangerous these days. It's like anybody can call themselves anything they want. Guru, life coach, you know, this or that. And, you know, these people have a ton of followers and it's not that they don't know some things, but gosh, you put out a statement like that, which is so bad and so wrong. And people are going to listen to that. And it's just so bad for people's businesses. I mean, brand building a brand is more important than ever, not less important. Now it's more important because everything is so commoditized. Uh, overly commoditized. So how are you going to stand out? How you're just going to, then you're just, it's just price. You're just going lower and lower and lower and lower in price because you're competing. And then you have to keep coming up with a new product idea and a new product idea just for another race to the bottom. How is that a good business strategy? Like in anyone's world and how do you sell a business like that? So that that kind of stuff, like the misinformation or disinformation or whatever you yeah. want to call it, that stuff really bothers me because it's like feel like it's a, an injustice to you know. Yeah, because you know people people see oh wow this person has twenty thousand followers and they're super popular so whatever they say this must be true you know yeah that's, I feel the same way it's like so irritating when people who are are kind of like known in the industry um you know say ridiculous things that could potentially harm you know yeah. uh, people in my opinion. What what are some of your other LinkedIn pet peeves, whether it's about Amazon or or, or not? Oh gosh, the whole um, the whole title of Amazon Ninja Expert. So I added into my title. It's there now, um, professional pole vaulter, because um, it's just so ridiculous. I'm, five I'm checking out what my profile is. Let me make sure I'm not saying. Yeah, I just have my title in there. But yeah, yeah, like anybody who who sends me a friend request and they have like expert in their in their in their header like i'm just like, like, nah, no, like don't be a self-proclaimed decline you know i think i used yeah. expert in like 2015 for like five minutes and then i realized like okay this is not what i want to associate myself with so so all this silly like you know um titles that people give themselves because everybody can be oh yeah another thing is i manage 18 billion dollars uh you know for clients and like that's part of their title. Like, yeah, I mean, my dog could write that about himself. <laughs> There's no verification. And you know, they know people are just going to like believe them. Um, yeah, it's so weird. LinkedIn is like its own. It's like it's its own. It's so different than any other social media. It's like stuff you see on there. You don't see anywhere else. We could have probably done a whole episode. That'll be your next episode when you come back next year about the, the pet peeves on LinkedIn, because like, yeah, there's just a bunch of stuff that irks me so much misinformation out there and, and just people looking to make a name for themselves. And, and then at the end of the day, the reason why it sucks is for, first of all, just some stuff is just annoying, you know, but then the second thing is just that it's like, what really, but this is how I got my career. Like, like I, how I got on the radar of helium 10 was I would just go off on people in Facebook groups. Those were the thing back in the day. <laughs> Where, where people are putting misinformation, where I would just like start arguing with them nonstop and like, come on guys, like stop putting out misinformation. So guys, if you're putting out misinformation on LinkedIn or, or just being annoying, you know, the LinkedIn police, AKA me and Lori are going to come after you. So, you know, look out.
<laughs> Anyways, back to, uh, you know, to, to, before we close this episode, um, I usually do something where we have the, uh, the, the 60 second tip. Um, so maybe if you can 30 to 60 second tips, if you have one or two of them, what worked for you before, um, you know, something you're preparing, like, uh, are you preparing your business for exit? Like so, something you're doing or another strategy, you know, you, you talked about some, some pretty cool strategies about press and stuff that we haven't talked about too much on this, this show. So that was cool. But what are some maybe faster strategies you can share with the uh, audience about what you're doing right now? Um, faster, I don't have faster is, is, is PPC, but it's, I, you know, it's not as profitable. Fa- faster. I mean, faster as in, it doesn't take you like 10 minutes as, to say it uh, faster. Well, not, sorry. not that it's a fast to do. Sorry, yeah. build out your socials. It takes a long time to get an audience, but build out your socials and build a brand. Use which ones, uh, which ones should people use, focus on? Um, it's, I think it's product dependent. I mean, TikTok skews younger, but I, I'm still using it. It's not exactly my demographic, but if I'm posting on Instagram, it doesn't hurt. I can just take the same thing and post it on TikTok. It takes two seconds. Um, so I would really focus on, um, doing that. And then I would also focus on Google ads. Like again, PPC is advertising. It's advertising. Mm -hmm. So there's other forms of advertising. Don't just use PPC, use all the forms that are available to you. All right. Anything else for us? Um, make sure you have a good lawyer when you exit and somebody who is on your side. I got very lucky. I almost got very screwed on my exit and enter stage. They, they caught something that you had missed or what? No, I, I had missed. Like I didn't understand my numbers well enough and I got mm-hmm. um, a low ball offer and then um, – this lawyer, am I allowed to say? I don't know. Um, his name is sure, uh, Paul Raffleson of Seller Basics. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Found his way into my Facebook. Um, he didn't slide into my DMs, but, you know, <laughs> he reached out and, oh, my God, he turned it around for me. He literally got me a million dollars more than the offer had received because the first offer was a low ball. And a million dollars more? A million dollars more because oh, he, wow. so, he understood my numbers uh, and he understood my numbers better than I did. Um, and he was just phenomenal and I praise him all the time and his um, company seller basics, which is, that's another, that's another tip. Like you have to have prevention for you're not getting suspended and, you know, prop 65 and all these things you want to prevent thing bad things from happening to your business so i use seller basics where it's like i don't know 100 bucks a month or something and they like fix your problems for you cool yeah for, for all of you guys who are helium 10 diamond members and above um we, we have that newer course that northbound did with us called exit ticket so make sure to check that out guys because it's not something that you're that you know you should just completely jump in with, uh, you know, a blindfold on, uh, you know, put your ducks in a row because it could mean a million dollars more on your, your, your payday. Um, you know, yeah. like it was for Lori. All right. Well, if people want to, you know, find you out, uh, out there on the interwebs, uh, at all and, and, and watch some of your, um, interesting takes, uh, <laughs> that you put in <laughs> LinkedIn and stuff, how, how can people find you out there? Just look up my name on LinkedIn. That's all. That's where I am. Lori Barsby, B-A-R-Z-V-I. Awesome, let's awesome. Times roll. All right. Well, Lori, uh, let's connect next year and and talk about the, the things that annoy us on LinkedIn and talk mm-hmm. about how the pet brand 
is going in your press, you know, and all that, this great stuff. It'd be great to have you back. Sounds great. Thanks for having me.